All right. We're taking all the best old school wisdom and blending it with the top new school methods to bring you the optimal coaching strategies. This is the 8020 Baseball Podcast with Coach Bo. Welcome, 8020 Baseball Coaches. Welcome to this week's episode on the list of topics to cover today. We'll do a quick review of Coach Saransic's three-part interview. We're just going to hit on a few things, a couple things that stood out. We will also discuss a tip about how to avoid training burnout with your kid, with your kids and your players. I'm going to share with you a mistake that I made, or I should say that I partially made a week and a half ago and how we can learn from it, how I'm learning from it. And we have one of my favorite segments of the month, the coaching tweets of the month, the top five coaching tweets of the month that I found in the Twitter sphere on Twitter now known as X. So let's do a quick recap on Coach Sarancic's interview last week. I really thought that interview was outstanding. And the first thing that stood out was how much of the message, how much Coach Sarancic's message aligned with the 80-20 baseball mission, purpose, and our blueprint. 80-20 baseball has a very strong blueprint, template, principles, foundational pieces. We always want to be open-minded to better ways to do things, but we have our non-negotiables. Now, how those play out, how those non-negotiables play out, how we coach those up, how we implement those with our players and our team and the culture and our drills, et cetera, that's always malleable. In fact, it'll depend on the players and the team and the coach and their personality. But the non-negotiables for example, a main goal for 80-20 baseball coaches is to get every single player to want to come back and play again next year, to play baseball again. Another one is to create players that are better prepared for life through the vehicle of youth sports, and in our case, baseball, youth baseball. We want players to have fun, but we also want to have consistent expectations and standards. Again, that ties with those players, those kids getting ready for life. So we want to prepare kids for life in a fun environment, the game of baseball. A couple other schematical or strategic non-negotiables. We want fast-paced, efficient practices, less talk, more quality reps. And we always want to stick to the big needle movers first. We want to double and triple down on the big needle movers. And only if we have time do we want to get to those other details. And only as the players progress to more advanced levels, do we want to fill their brains with a bunch of minute details that may move the needle a percent here or a couple percent there. So Coach Sarancic's interview aligned perfectly with that. And when we went into it, I didn't know everything he was going to cover and all the examples that he was going to bring up. And I don't want to waste any of your time. That's why these episodes are fast paced. The editing takes twice as long as the recording and the scripting takes as long as the recording. Recording the episodes is only 25% of the work, 25% of it scripting it out, making sure we cover important things, things that can really help all of you. And then half the time is editing it. So it's polished, clean, and efficient because y'all are busy. Why are we going to spend an hour learning stuff that we could learn in 30 minutes? So Coach Sarancic talked about great play Friday, such as turning silly double plays. I'm a big fan of this. In fact, I've used this with teams for years at the end of the ground ball drill, doing crazy flips between the leg flips around the back flips, silly double play turns, insofar as it's safe, insofar as there's no unnecessary risk. Different handshakes for each player. Really like that example that he gave out. Over the line, playing the game over the line. 
it's baseball, just a little bit different version of baseball. Kind of mix it up. Something that could be thrown in there twice during the season, that being over the line. If you're not sure what over the line is, I know most of you are, but if you're not, sure you can find quite a few YouTube videos about over the line on warm days or warmer days. The slip and slide, I think, could be an excellent way to have some fun at the end of practice or part of a barbecue or picnic, especially since baseball includes a lot of sliding and diving, or it should if we're really playing hard. Inspirational movies, hosting inspirational movies. I'm a big fan of that. If you got older kids, something like Remember the Titans. If you got junior high age kids, water balloon dodgeball. So these are some of the things that really stood out as great recommendations. Going and watching a local team that's more advanced than your team. Maybe a really good high school team in your area or a good junior college team or a minor league team. Make that a team outing. Maybe tie it in with a pizza party after or before or a pool party after. Those things that I just discussed or pointed out as the highlights were from part one of the interview. Something that really stood out in part two of the interview with Coach Sarancic was having a strength and conditioning coach work with your team or your players at least to put a plan together at a minimum. Six, seven, eight U, nine U, maybe not. But strength and conditioning is not all about heavy weights. In fact, at the youth level, it shouldn't be about heavy weights. But it's very important, especially with these kids being more sedentary, sitting around, more screen time. It's a huge advantage, not just that, a great idea for fitness and overall health. And something that really stood out in part three of our interview was the concept, the mindset, the paradigm, person before the athlete and the athlete before the player. So coach the person, then the athlete, then the player. But coach the human being and then coach an athlete. In other words, the physical abilities, coach up the athleticism and then the player. I like that way of looking at it. I think you can blend the athlete and the player version together. And at the youth level, I think it's very important to try to blend that together where your drills create athleticism. They're not so rigid. They're not so linear. There's a lot of variations of movements and expectations and it's full speed. It makes them play fast. It speeds up their body, the reaction time. And if you throw in things like the silly double play turns at the end of a ground ball drill, that's really going to make players move funny because when you have players doing glove flips, between their legs or around their back or over their head or they're catching it behind their back, that trains the player to be a better athlete. Not that they're going to use those skills in the game, but it trains them to be a better mover. Remember, a great athlete is a great mover. So go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't already. Now I want to share out a tip about how to avoid training burnout with your kid, with your kids, with your players. This is more about your kid or your kids personally, your family. And that recommendation to help limit, reduce, or avoid burnout with our kids when it comes to sports, baseball, or any sport or any activity, in this case, baseball, spread out the off-season and the voluntary workouts. Spread out those workouts, limit them, put them on the family calendar, for example, two times a week for 30 minutes. You're going to go to the park for 30 minutes, ground balls. Three days later, 30 minutes batting practice. Then the next week, 30 minutes of outfield, 30 minutes of base running. Be sure to make it fun, fast paced, but set a time limit on it and then get some ice cream afterwards. Now, if it's a challenge to get to a field or if it's a drive, maybe you do it once a week for an hour. If it's easy for you to get out to the field, easy access to a field, consistency will net a lot more training than the binge 
and quit approach. The binge and quit leads to burnout. It leads to less productivity, less consistency. Consistency starts with setting achievable goals that will be finished and completed. So I highly recommend don't bite off more than you can chew. These are off-season, pre-season, voluntary workouts, training sessions that you do with your kid, not team workouts. That's a whole nother component. That's a whole nother aspect of youth baseball. Like how many teams, how many seasons are they playing throughout the year? We've talked about that. This is going out to the field with a bucket of balls, bat and gloves, and taking your kid or kids out to the field in the off-season, pre-season. When I say pre-season, before practices have even started. During the summertime, these are voluntary workouts, like this time of year. A lot of it's voluntary. Let's go to the park and practice. Let's go get a little extra work in. Less is more if you stick with it and be consistent with it over time. So to sum up this tip, to help avoid training burnout with our kids, set the length of those workouts at 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Don't do it every day, twice a week. Tie it into something fun afterwards, getting some ice cream, put it on the family calendar, schedule it in. Schedule it short, schedule it consistently, and then get it done. Now, another part of that is the buy-in, and that's how you sell it. And I think getting buy-in is a skill we should all develop as parents, as coaches. So make sure to always tie it in with, hey, this is what's going to likely happen by putting in these quality workout sessions, this training time now. You're going to hit more doubles. You're going to strike out more hitters. You're going to improve your chance of making the team, playing the positions that you'd rather play, playing the positions that you prefer. You're likely to help your team win more games. Now, speaking of working with our kids, I made a mistake and I caught myself in the middle of it. So I didn't fully make the mistake, but I made more than I should have. I was at my kid's soccer game a week and a half ago, and I usually stay back from the sidelines quite a ways, more than most of the parents. Part of that helps me have the mindset, distancing myself from the game where I can watch it, but I'm not in coach mode on the sideline. Well, coaches, it's always easier said than done, right? And I've come on this podcast for going on four years now. We've talked about critiquing as subtly as possible, not avoiding it, but trying to be more subtle when we can, being loud with our praise, more subtle with our critique. And we've talked about parents, just be parents at the game and wait till after to share out your thoughts or opinions or even better, wait a day. I saw my kid out there playing soccer. Something was really standing out to me. The coach would say spread out when the goalie was going to kick the ball away. So they kind of set it up. It's kind of a slow moving game, right? At that level, six years old. So the goalie gets the ball and they say, all right, everybody back up so the goalie can you know, pass it or kick it. Well, my kid kept going all the way across the field and standing against the sideline on the far side and was essentially out of range, substantially out of range for that goalie to pass or throw or even kick the ball to her. So she did this for two straight weeks. And the natural reaction I had, this is how hard it is. You know, this is something I come on here, we talk about, I know better. And my natural reaction was to say her name, which I did. I kind of yelled out her name and that was it. I stopped myself. I was going to try to coach her up. Now, thankfully she didn't hear me. Not that it would have made a lot of difference in the fact that I should have known better to try to coach her up from 40 yards away. So this past weekend, the next game rolls around. And I said, I'm not going to say anything the entire time. And it's hard. It's hard when you see stuff and the coaches are working, they're having fun. But, you know, there's things you see. And definitely from the perspective of somebody like me who looks at it from a coach's paradigm, a coaching angle all the time, it's hard. But I just said, you will not say anything except great job. I had fun watching you play today. 
So my daughter didn't have the greatest game. Her team didn't do very good, but she hustled. She showed up to the game. She hustled. And at the end, I had about six things I thought about coaching her up on, but I knew better. So I just told her I had a lot of fun watching the game, a lot of fun watching her, and I'm proud of her effort. And then we went and got pizza. Now, in the coming days, if we go out back or practicing a little soccer, I might bring up one or two of these key things, not the whole list of things she could do better, but those one or two key things. And that's the time and place, not right after the game, not during the game. So my recommendation is learn from my mistake and almost a bigger mistake of really trying to coach up my kid from 40 yards away. The mindset really has to be, don't say anything unless it's an urgent injury prevention type of message. Don't say anything. Just get in the habit of going out, watching the game, letting them have fun. And speaking of coaching up kids when you're going out to the game, I think a good strategy is on the way to the game in the car, maybe give them one tip that they can work on. Or if it's pitching, one tip about pitching and hitting, one tip about hitting. No more than that. So on the way to the field, give them a tip. When you're practicing in the batting cage or out on the practice field or at the park or in the backyard, that's another good time to coach them up. But during the games, especially if you're the parent, don't want to coach him up as a parent. And even as the coach, we don't want to overcoach. Speaking of which, that's part of one of the top five coaching tweets of the month. I love this segment. And now we're going to transition into it. The top five coaching tweets of the month. Now, this first one is not from a coach. It's actually not a baseball one, but it absolutely encompasses being a better coach, being better parents with youth athletes. So this comes from at get fatherized at get fatherized quote dad tip stop rushing around so much said i noticed a bad habit creeping in a few months ago at bedtime with our oldest read two stories every night then we listen to an audio story he said gradually i found myself rushing through the process getting frustrated on how long it would take to pick out a book talk about the pictures etc and inevitably the book or audio stories would raise questions that my toddler wanted to talk about my kid wanted to talk about and in my brain, all of this took too long. We aren't being efficient. We're wasting time. Then one day it struck me. What am I rushing around for? Why am I wishing away this precious time with my kid? What would I do instead of hanging out with him at bedtime? Go downstairs, do nothing? What a joke. My humble advice to dads reading this is to stop rushing things that don't actually need rushing. Do an extra story. Have that random conversation. Let them talk and let the minutes pass by together. Because the good old days are happening right now, and it's a shame to wish them away, end quote. Let's make time for them. Let's not rush that time. Now you might say, Coach Bo, you were just talking about having efficient training sessions with your kid in the offseason when you go out to the park, batting cages, or the field to get them working with them. If you can stretch those out and have some fun just sitting around talking and not always playing baseball when you're out there, that would be cool. Or like I said, tie it into something else like a, getting a burger or ice cream afterwards, I'm all for that. The caveat to that is if you drag things on like that, you could burn out the kid from, say, playing baseball or the sports if you're dragging out that time at the field. What I like about this tweet is it's saying throughout the day when we get these moments, let's be careful not to rush through them. Let's not have our default mindset be, I got to get to whatever's next. What's next on the to-do list? What else do I got to do? I love the last sentence in this tweet. Quote, because the good old days are happening right now, and it's a shame to wish them away, end quote. I'll tell you what, all of you, you're coaching, you're more involved, that's a huge start. You're spending more time. Don't think about what you're missing. Don't think about that extra time you could be spending here or there. You're doing the right thing as coaches. 
You should be proud of yourself, coaches, dedicating that time to your kids, to the team, giving back to the community, spending more time with your kid. You're making the most out of the good old days. Now, I know that tweet was a little different, but it just really stood out. Now, the second coaching tweet in our top five coaching tweets of the month by Greg Berg at GB1121. At GB1121, Greg said, quote, overcoaching is the worst thing you can do to a player. Less is more. Simple wins. All great coaches say this. Simplify what you do as a coach, end quote. Wow, that's a great tweet. Overcoaching is the worst thing you can do to a player. Less is more. Simple wins. All great coaches say this. Simplify what you do as a coach. So Greg coming through with a solid tweet. Here's one from Coaching Advice at Coaching Advice. Quote, coaching is not how much you know. It's how much you can get players to do. End quote. Now that was a quote from Bum Phillips. Bum. And I love that name, Bum. Some of you old school NFL People know who that is. What a great coaching name. That'd be a better umpire name, but yeah, I'll take it. And he said, coaching is not how much you know, it's how much you can get the players to do. A lot of that has to do with not talking so much. We talk about that on this podcast, setting up players in environments that replicate the game, challenge them, have some fun, get the quality reps up, talk when you need to talk, but be simple, be concise. Kind of like the previous tweet mentioned, simplify what you do as a coach. And that ties into this one. Coaching is not how much you know, it's how much you can get the players to do. That kind of goes along the lines of society, right? Pretty much all of you that listen to this, I guarantee you listen to this for a couple different reasons. But one of them is you can tell, and from early on, I was very upfront about this. I'm interested in coaches that get quality results consistently. I'm looking for the commonalities of productive coaches that also have their values in the right place, their priorities in the right place. It's like listening to a group of friends of yours and you have three of them and two of them haven't worked out in three years and they're giving you advice on exercising. And the other one is 47 years old, looks like a Navy SEAL. You're probably going to listen to that one or you should, right? We should listen to that one first. Not that they're always right or 100% right, but coaching, it's not how much we can talk to our players, how much we know, it's how much we can get the players to do and how successful we can get our players. So I really like that quote by at coaching advice. The next one, Baseball IQ at Baseball IQ underscore app. This was a video of the LSU baseball coach, Jay Johnson. He was mic'd up. And here's what he's saying to his hitters. To the hitter, he said, hit your pitch, not his pitch in this situation. Does that sound familiar? Hitters, not every pitch is drivable. Not every strike is a good one for you. So that was the tweet. It was quoting what Jay Johnson, the LSU baseball coach, said in this video. These are off-season workouts they're doing. And he says to his hitter, hit your pitch, not his pitch in this situation. Now, again, with two strikes, that's not the approach because you can't just swing at your pitch with two strikes. You'll be walking back to the bench a lot going, coach, it wasn't my pitch. Yeah, well, it was a strike and it was strike three and now you're out. But with less than two strikes, hit your pitch. And he was saying, not his pitch, not the pitcher's pitch, but your pitch as a hitter. So in other words, don't just swing at strikes. And that's what he says here in the next part. Not every pitch is drivable. Not every strike is a good one for you. Essentially, not every strike is a good one for you to swing at. Wow. That message is not coached up as much as it should be. It should just be ubiquitous throughout baseball. And it's not. All right. Tweet number five from Dr. Jim Aframau. Sorry, Dr. Jim, if I'm messing up the last name. At Gold Metal Mind. At Gold metal mind on twitter x now this is 
a Nick Saban quote, quote, talent without discipline and the ability to stay focused and execute is not worth anything. End quote. Like I always say, don't fall for the talent tease. Talent without discipline, talent without the ability to stay focused and execute is not worth anything. And talent without coachability, not worth anything. Talent that's not a team player that ruins a team culture, that's worth less than anything. It's That's a net negative. So at Gold Medal Mind, I don't agree with everything Nick Saban does, but I really like a lot of it. I would say 80% of what Nick Saban does should be taken in carbon copies. I think he yells too much. But that's what he knows. That's how his dad was. That's what he grew up knowing. He also grew up in an era where that was more common. So, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to get that out of your system. It's just all you really know. But you can't argue with Coach Nick Saban's success and a lot of the things that he does. And he understands the 80-20 principle. He understands discipline. He does care about his players. And I really like this quote, talent without discipline and the ability to stay focused and execute is not worth anything. All right. So I kept it the five tweets of the month this time. We didn't go to seven. I haven't been spending as much time on Twitter slash X, but I love getting on there, getting that mindset right, seeing a lot of great stuff. It's really a great place, not necessarily to get drills, but it's really great to really fine tune that mindset of being a better coach, the paradigm of great coaching. So there it is, the top five coaching tweets of the month. Next week, I have a coaching communication formula that works very well with teams, individual athletes to get your players, your kids to buy in much faster to the rules, standards, expectations that you are setting forth. So I'll share that with you next week, a coaching communication formula, a simple formula that can guide you with your teams, your kids, individual athletes to get buy in much faster when it comes to your rules, buying into your standards, your expectations. Those are hard, but we need that buy-in. So I'll share that with you next week. And until then, take care of yourself, take care of your health. Let's take care of our families. Let's be there for our close friends. And let's take this information out there to the field and put it into action. Thank you all for being coaches. You should be proud of yourself. That's a great thing you're doing. You're going to look back years from now and you won't regret any of it. So let's keep working on being better at it and keep sticking with it. And I'll see you all back here next Tuesday. Until then, adios. This has been the 8020 Baseball Masterclass. Take it to the field.